As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Steikast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today it's mailbag time. Christoph Biermann and I will be answering your questions on Borussia Dortmund's latest troubles, Bayern running out of steam and the German FA's showdown talks with Joachim Löw this week. Before that, we'll quickly look back on an entertaining Fallfell Wolfsburg game. Yes, that's what it says here. Another Schalke defeat and 80s joke alert. Find out what happened to Diva Eintracht on Saturday. Yes, Max Factor. All of this in Stahlkast. And don't forget, our fantastic Black Friday offer is still running until the end of this week. You can get all of The Athletic's amazing content for just £1 per month. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to sign up. Okay, Christoph, before we get into the readers' questions, uh, what, what games did you watch at the weekend and who impressed you and who didn't? Interestingly, I, I was uh, pretty impressed by the uh, Wolfsburg against Bremen game because it was uh, highly entertaining 5-3 for Wolfsburg. I, I think we uh, a bit unfairly labeled as boring until now. Or, or maybe uh, uh, fairly we labeled them as boring, <laughs> yeah. but they were they weren't on... Uh, on, on Friday and uh, yeah I saw the Union playing Frankfurt and also the next defeat of, of Schalke uh, looking hopeless more hopeless any week and uh, some of the um, games on, on a Sunday that were pretty underwhelming especially the goalless draw between Leverkusen and, um, and Hertha. I think Hertha was very happy to get a point there. And then there was a draw 1-1 between Mainz and Hoffenheim. Yeah. And yes, well, I, saw, I saw a lot of highlights and, and uh, Borussia Dortmund. I think we will have to talk about Borussia Dortmund. I think we will, but I've got a feeling that one or two readers might, might have questions about Dortmund and Lucien Favre. So let's leave that for the moment. Let's talk something a little bit more uplifting. Um, and that was, of course, as you said, Wolfsburg's win. Wolfsburg scored all the goals that they haven't scored all season in this particular game. Uh, was it just a one-off or are they now suddenly clicking and we'll see, you know, we'll see more of them? It still strikes me as a side that has a lack of creativity, especially in midfield. 
What do you think? I think Werder made them look very good uh, on the one hand side, but I I, I, I think there is a development by uh, at at Wolfsburg. And if you go back for some weeks, there was this interesting conflict uh, between coach Glasner and head of sport uh, Jörg Schmatke. And, and you got the impression that uh, Schmatke wanted to uh, put his coach under some pressure. It, it was pretty open that they were like um, disagreeing on... On, on some some issues uh, concerning sports and um, after that I think it's um, uh, you could see a development that Wolfsburg looked sharper actually uh, maybe it was a result from this uh, surprisingly open discussion and um, but but on the other hand side maybe it, it took some time for Wolfsburg to to get in into the season um, I mean, uh, if we remember, they dropped out early uh, out of the Europa League, uh, didn't qualify for it, had a slow start, uh, some draws. But now they, um, after nine games, they are one of the two undefeated teams and um, look increasingly interesting. And also that they gave away three goals. I, I think it's it was a, a bit more of a, a bad luck uh, because... Um, it, it, it wasn't like as uh, if Werder was playing them apart and um, got some uh, some some easy goals. So so altogether, I was pretty impressed by Wolfsburg. And um, there is actually a question that we should we should ask you from the reader, Keki Key, Keki K, um, rather, is asking how should Werder try to improve their defence, and what's the solution up front with Osako, Sargent, and Selke? I think they did it actually. I mean, their defence l- looks more stable than last season i i mean the, the the game in wolfsburg wasn't proof of that but but altogether the defensive performance has uh, increased uh, i would say almost dramatically compared to last season and but but still it's it's uh, it's a long long way so i i, I think Werder will be happy if they keep the distance um, from the, from the relegation zone it's it's uh, they have 11 points now that's uh, okay and maybe surprisingly okay to compare to what we could expect from them but but i think we we shouldn't hope them to turn into a um a rock solid in defense team on and on the other hand side on a highly entertaining um uh, forward going team so i think they have to muddle through more or less uh, through the season and and uh, develop uh, slightly, and I think they they're doing that. Right. What about uh, Union Berlin? Three-three um, draw against Frankfurt, which at the same time felt exhilarating and disappointing. Disappointing because they were two 0 up. Exhilarating because they managed to score late on or fairly late on to rescue a point. And Max Kruse having another of those barnstorming games. Are we now at a stage that a draw against Frankfurt is is almost uh, a setback for this Union team? Uh, no, 
Oh no, I I wouldn't say so. Um, I, I they they had this uh, fantastic first fifteen to twenty minutes where they were two nil up and could have been three or four nil up uh, because Eintracht Frankfurt wasn't on the pitch uh, at that time. But then you could see the quality of Frankfurt as well. They turned it round, so it was three uh, two and and then it uh, the equalizer came from this fantastic shot from. Uh, Max Kruse from outside uh, the box into the top right corner of Frankfurt's goal. But I think everybody is is pretty uh, satisfied with uh, what's going on at uh, Union Berlin. Even in, in this match, uh, still they have uh, many players missing with injuries and uh, pl players being ill. So, and I think nobody, nobody, nobody uh, at the Alte Försterei is um, expecting them to be a only halfway serious contender for one of the European places. So uh, everybody is really happy uh, to be so far away from the relegation zone, playing nice, interesting football, having a, de a development here compared to the last season. So uh, I, I, every everything's fine at, at Union right now. Okay, well, I think you're playing mind games with us, Christoph. I think you're not really admitting just how close Union uh, might be to the uh, Europa League places, maybe the Champions League places. The season, so. <laughs> yeah, but but we we have to look on we have to look on the uh, uh, fixture list. They had a uh, an interesting fixture list where they played all the bottom teams at the beginning of the season, and now uh, they they have to play Bayern and Dortmund and Leipzig and Leverkusen and um, uh, so uh, things will uh, turn difficult for them in the next week and so uh, they are happy for every p uh, point they can pick up. Well before we get to the readers questions I think we should w uh, have a word on, on Schalke and I guess that word is is bad or, or horrific or terrible or, or any other uh, word uh, you want to choose really but at the same time I thought they actually held it together reasonably well for a certain amount of time they didn't fall completely apart it wasn't a collapse they I think within their own means did as well as they could almost um, is that uh, Christoph maybe the most worrying thing that a decent Schalke team by their own standards still has absolutely no chance to get any points against Borussia Mönchengladbach yeah and 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 we can also turn it around because um, there were parts especially in the first half where Borussia Mönchengladbach was playing uh, they were appalling uh, compared to their their standards and still they almost easily managed to to win against um uh, Schalke. So yeah, I so so my my fantasy is for Schalke winning a game. Uh, I, 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 oh, I, I I don't know how, where to get them. They scored a yeah, nice a goal. They, yeah, maybe I have a lack of imagination. They scored a nice goal, a really nice goal uh, set up by Mark Wood and um, scored by Benito Raman. And, and they played, let's say, 25 very good minutes in the first half. But... When they still concede so easy goals, yeah, it's. I think it's devastating also for the team because it's uh, like, yeah, yeah, as you said, we're okay uh, compared to um, what we have seen and, and still we are so far away from uh, even only getting a point. Um, so, yeah, um, whatever, however you want to label it, uh, it's... it's uh, 
it's depressing. Schalke still bottom of the table after that 4-1 defeat at Borussia Mönchengladbach, still without a win in 25 games now. It's getting uh, perilously close to the Tasmania Berlin all-time record of 31 Bundesliga games without a win. Um, but Bielefeld, almost as bad. They only have four points they lost against Leipzig, 2-1 at the weekend, and Mainz uh, dropping into the bottom three as well because Cologne surprisingly won against Dortmund. And I guess, Christoph, that's where we have to start. We have loads of questions on Borussia Dortmund and Lucien Favre, who's your favorite manager. Um, <laughs> Pete... H is asking, Hi, Rafa, what is going on with Borussia Dortmund? I've been following them closely since Sancho joined, but never really get to see them play. So for me, there is a strange disconnect between the talent they have and the disappointing results they keep posting. Is there a common denominator in the defeats? Inconsistency of youth? An attitude problem, perhaps? Or are they simply not as strong as they appear to be on paper? What do you think? What do you think the, the question was addressed to you, Rafa? <laughs> and then I jump yeah, in. Well, it's for both of us. Okay, <laughs> I'll start. So I think all of these factors come into play. Youth is a problem when it comes to being consistent. Attitude seems to be a problem because I think Lucien Favre repeatedly fails to rouse his players and and give them the sharpness and that, that focus and that determination that you need, especially in these kind of games against inferior opposition and perhaps they're not quite as strong as they appear on paper because there are still weaknesses in the squad i still think that the right back position is pretty bad i mean thomas munier is giving them a bit of consistency and a bit of experience but in a footballing side his limitations become quite apparent i think still roman burki is perhaps not quite at the top top level of goalkeeping in the bundesliga let alone in europe and there is undoubtedly also an issue with some of the tactical uh, setups. Uh, Lucien Favre, of course, has has changed things. Now they're mostly playing with a back four again, but they basically went one half season playing a back three, which then made them fairly passive without the ball because the natural instinct is to just fall back and be a five almost. And I think without that midfield pressure, without that... Uh, energy and that determination to win the ball back, Dortmund are not as good and not as strong as they could be. So these are all the the issues and not all of it comes down or back to Favre, but Favre is probably the easiest lever to pull, the easiest button to push, which is why we will see that change. If you look at some numbers, uh, for example, so uh, Borussia Dortmund, they uh, got nine goals against them in nine games of the Bundesliga season so far. And five came from set pieces and remarkably two um, against Cologne. Uh, so they both came from, uh, from cor- uh, came after corners in this case. And uh, every team is uh, prepared for for. for what comes from the opponent's set pieces and uh, that's what's also Roman Burki said and and still uh, we, we had the almost uh, two identical situations when Skiri from Cologne uh, was uh, almost easily uh, could almost easily score after a, a, a corner and and I think that has to do with a yeah a lack of concentration a lack of determination to defend your your goal. 
And when we look at an, another number um, that I found interesting, uh, Tobias Escher, one of the uh, tactic bloggers here in Germany, brought that up. He, he, he said they, that uh, Borussia Dortmund has lost 14 games um, under Favre in the Bundesliga. Four defeats came from uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, from Bayern Munich, two came from Hoffenheim and one from Leverkusen, but seven from relegation candidates. And, uh, and, and that, again, has to do with a distinct level of, of determination and concentration, because honestly, you can't lose. If, if you're Borussia Dortmund, you can't lose against Cologne on a normal or halfway normal day. Um, and and they did and and we in the last weeks we we had the the impression that Borussia Dortmund was back on track playing a winning 5-2 at Berlin easily uh, beating uh, Bruges in in the Champions League and so on so there were uh, improvement in the performance and and I think that was also the impression um, uh, that uh, Borussia Dortmund had themselves about them. So uh, Michael Zorc was was uh, talking about that he could see the greed in 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 the in the team, but but there was no greed uh, winning uh, the match against Cologne uh, again. And uh, yeah, and it, it's a I think a major setback um, this season. And uh, so as you said, it's it, it's a mix uh, has to do with mentality, yes, and has. To to do partly with the youth of, of uh, some of the players, but um, and it has also to do with the uh, with the uh, attitude um, of of the the coach. Uh, and I th I think what we will see uh, next season is a new Borussia Dortmund coach, uh, no doubt about it. Yes, and there are lots of questions about who that new coach could be. Uh, Paul Mainwaring is asking if Dortmund do the sensible thing, is the first choice Rose? And do they look at Jesse Marsh? Uh, what do you think of Pochettino as next Dortmund manager? It's Christopher Sullivan's question. I think it's a match made in heaven. He gets the next step. Club with expectations to challenge the league and fits Dortmund's style perfectly. Right, I'm going to start with the Pochettino suggestion. I don't think that's going to happen uh, for two reasons. First of all, I think Mauricio Pochettino is still looking for something a little bit more glamorous, a little bit more established after having this project at Spurs. I don't think he wants to necessarily be in a challenging position again of, um, you know, being up against a superpower and trying to overcome the odds. I think he'd much prefer, um, a little bit like Thomas Tuchel, to actually be in charge of a team that has a genuine opportunity to uh, and, and almost a expectation to win trophies. Um, and also from Dortmund's point of view, I think there is a, a certain reluctance to take the type of manager who would probably come with five or six backroom staff, all speaking Spanish, and sort of giving the keys to the club to somebody from from abroad and from the outside who they probably can't quite fully control or mould. And they are quite opinionated there in Dortmund. And I think, as we've seen with Favre, they like to almost kind of suggest things to to their manager and i just don't see that happening with pochettino so that's an outside chance rosa and marsh i think rosa if he is available if he can be persuaded to leave is probably the most realistic contender uh, and i'm sure that Dortmund would love to have him the question is does he want to make that step and move from one borussia to the other I think Jesse Marsh 
it's probably in the conversation as some kind of backup solution, but not that high up the list. I'm not sure they're fully convinced about him in Dortmund and elsewhere. Christoph, any any quarrels, any problems with what I said, or do you agree with everything? No, I totally agree with what what you were saying. Uh, so uh, Pochettino, um, I, I think there is, in, in general, there is a reluctance uh, among uh, German clubs, especially German uh, top clubs, to sign um, coaches that don't speak German. Uh, so they don't have to be necessarily from Germany, as Peter Bosch, for example, uh, who comes from Holland, but he he speaks German well, and uh, but 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 in general, um, it's it's not what top clubs want to have. And I think uh, Marco Rose is, as far what what I heard, their their number one choice so far. But you're right, it's um, it's difficult in a way. I I I I would think that uh, Rosa might be tempted because if he gets uh, Borussia Dor uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach to the next round of the Champions League, that would be a enormous uh, success. Um, but this would also be the kind of glass ceiling for Borussia Mönchengladbach. And um, there is another glass ceiling at, at Borussia Dortmund much higher. And um, I, I, I think that Rosa and his team uh, will be very interesting, uh, interested if uh, Borussia Dortmund seriously approaches them. And, and I think maybe uh, Borussia, Mönchen, uh, Borussia Dortmund would be even uh, ready to pay a kind of transfer fee. Uh, for Rose because he's still on, uh, he will be uh, still under contract in Mönchengladbach next uh, summer. And uh, uh, Jesse March is, um, yeah, he might fit from the footballing ideas on the one hand side, but there is also another aspect. Uh, I think he is still too much labeled as an RB coach, um, a Red Bull coach, and I think that wouldn't be so well accepted among Borussia um, Dortmund supporters. Um, uh, Rosa comes from the same background, but now he he ha uh, has uh, lost it at um, uh, Borussia. Yeah, he's Blatt been de-contaminated. De 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 <laughs> de yeah, exactly. So I think uh, Borussia um, uh, Dortmund will do everything to get Rosa. Yeah. And there are, there are rumors that he has actually a, a release clause in his contract, uh, how much that is for and whether Dortmund can persuade him to move is, is of course, another question. Um, another manager who doesn't really speak German, but a version of it, I guess, is Urs Fischer, um, <laughs> heavy Swiss accent. Will he be a manager in the man soon? John L is asking, and I think that one is for you, Christoph. I think if Urs Fischer would actually be able to 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 do this. Um, I think he is he is st still uh, very much underestimated in and what he he can do. But I think on the other hand side, it it doesn't fit so well into the. Uh, story of greatness and and so that Borussia uh, Dortmund wants to tell because he is a publicly no he I wouldn't say he is shy but he is his dry in his public appearance and and maybe they would have the uh, the feeling to get a, a, another version of Lucien Favre although that's completely wrong uh, they are completely different characters but uh, I, I I think they um uh, in a way, he is probably not glamorous enough for uh, Borussia Dortmund.
the first time I interviewed Neymar, he was 14. He was pretty much famous approaching household name status before he'd even played for the Santos first team. Barca should have been better prepared. They really did not have a contingency plan for if Neymar were to leave. You have the French president, Emmanuel Macron, calling it really good news on the day. Without selling Coutinho for that amount of money, Liverpool's recent history would be very, very different. But then again, Neymar changed the whole dynamic. I'm Adam Leventhal, and this is Beyond the Headline, Neymar, the transfer that changed the world. Over the next three episodes, we will explore Neymar's 222 million euro move from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, a transfer that changed the game not only because it more than doubled the world transfer record, but explain how the ripple effects made it arguably the most significant transfer in the history of the game. That's Beyond the Headline, available wherever you get your podcasts or get it ad-free via the Athletic app. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We have here a question about Eintracht Frankfurt and it comes from Toby Gillis. Eintracht, discuss, what on earth are we? question mark you know i was thinking about this and of course frankfurt have a reputation going back decades as being inconsistent capricious the diva people in germany used to call them and i think that basically this is just a story that people tell themselves of a team that is mid-table a mid-table team will have good days they'll have bad days if they only had good days they'd be a top table team if they only had bad days they'd be a relegation candidate but because frankfurt are neither people dress it up as some kind of character deficiency i just think it's just a a natural consequence of, of where they are financially um the teams that they've had over the years there's always been a little bit of interest and a little bit of of quality but never quite enough to to get them over the line and this frankfurt team are no are no different after uh, that fantastic Europa league run they've kind of come back down to a more prosaic level because they've lost their best three players and the replacements haven't really worked out. I think that's that's really the story. There might be a bit of feeling of, of, of disappointment uh, because you mentioned this Europa League run. And I, I think in a way, although everybody was thinking, yeah, we're living the dream now, there is there is a bit of disappointment that uh, there is no uh, continuation of, of this dream. And... Um, and, and they have some fantastic players in their team. I, I think Kamada, the, the Japanese, is great. Andre Silva, uh, one of their strikers, is fantastic. And, and also Martin Hinteregger, this uh, very special Austrian defender, uh, is, is actually very good. But, but when, you, when you look at the, at the match at, at the Alta First Arrive on Saturday, I, I, I think you could see it all. You could see the quality... But you could also see where the quality is lacking. Maybe in in defense, they also Kevin Trapp didn't look very convincing. So 
Yeah, they looked like a very interesting, sometimes in some parts, uh, highly entertaining to watch team, uh, but as you said, as a mid-table team. And uh, I, I think that's leading yeah. to a bit of frustration. Well, certainly not a mid-table team, uh, a team doing much better. Our RB Leipzig. Forty's asking, with their defense looking solid as ever, their midfield having enough creativity to break down smaller sides and Nagelsmann's talent as a manager, could Leipzig give Bayern a challenge if one of their many talented forwards starts scoring some goals? Well... The if is here the, the, the word that's doing some heavy lifting because I don't think they've really been able to replace Timo Werner uh, and uh, and Schick. They are working very hard to score goals. They are scoring goals from midfield. But I think what's missing is the kind of striker that helps you on a day when perhaps you don't create a lot of stuff. When you just maybe are a bit more one-dimensional and you just put one or two crosses in and there is this guy... Who just who just scores goals and, and saves the points for you? Um, of course, very very difficult to find that type of striker. Um, Yusuf Polson is is a decent striker, but perhaps not quite at that level. And so far, Solot has not been a factor. He missed a penalty to really put the icing on a cake in a negative sense. Uh, is that a thing? Can you have a bad icing on a cake? Um, <laughs> I mean, a rotten cherry on top of his form because he's still not off the mark. Um, Christoph, my sense is that, that Leipzig have to to play good football to score, which perhaps in this season is is going to be tougher than in others. So next weekend we have the big match between RB and uh, and Bayern, and and when you look. At what's going on uh, this week, Bayern has to travel to Atletico Madrid, but in a way they have a, an easy game uh, because they are already qualified for, for the next round where RB is desperately uh, fighting to, to get into the um, next round of, of the Champions League. So they will lose some energy there. And, and, and as you rightly said, uh, they need more energy to, to win matches. So um, this game against uh, Bielefeld was hard fought and, and they, they even could concede an equalizer uh, shortly from, uh, before the end. And um, if Serlot, for example, had converted the penalty you were already mentioning, it would be they, 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 they could have spared a lot of uh, uh, energy. And, um, and this energy question is, uh, I, I think, uh, one of high importance uh, in, in this season with a very dense calendar. And I, I think it speaks against uh, RB as a serious title contender. Yeah, I, I agree. Although Bayern themselves are really running out of, out of steam, out of energy. They look very, very spent um, yeah, but 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 what, what I what uh, I think there is an interesting point to make. If you if you compare Jurgen Klopp with Hansi Flick, Jurgen Klopp who is is raging against TV and scheduling and everything right now, and uh, yeah, and and he has a point uh, because he is frustrated from the lack of recovery time and frustrated by injuries and so on. But we have a very similar situation uh, with Bayern Munich. Also, uh, four players after the weekend may be injured. We, we have to, to see that. But Hansi Flick 
is is uh, keeping his stiff upper lip and not complaining at all. We have to take the situation as it is. And I think it's very important right now um, that, um, that, that a coach keeps this line, uh, take the situation as it is, because um, it doesn't help you to, to, to complain about it. It's a, it's a waste of energy in a way. And, and uh, it opens some back doors to, to, to your players. And um, so I, I, I find it very impressive how Ansi Flick is dealing with the situation right now, where he also had, had a, a lot of reasons to, to complain about it. What you're saying is, if you tell the players that they're tired, they they feel tired. Yeah, I mean, if you if you tell them they are fresh, uh, why they are tired, they 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 won't be fresh. Uh, but 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 if if you also tell them, yeah 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 yeah, you're 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 tired. I understand that. It, it doesn't help them. But Praveen is asking, why do you hate Bayern? He's not asking you. Christoph is asking me. Uh, you don't hate Bayern. <laughs> I don't I, hate Bayern. I also don't hate Bayern, but but it's um, if if you have a have a, a team in your league that is dominating uh, so much, it uh, leads to a um, a certain frustration because in a way it makes the league more boring than it should be and. Um, they, I mean, it's it's a it's a, a long story uh, how how Bayern uh, became so dominant, and it, it's all also has partly to do how they managed to influence the um, decision making and, for example, the distribution of wealth in the in the Bundesliga, and that almost uh, every time went into their favor, and uh, and that is uh, frustrating all, all the time. So yeah, I'm. I'm uh, it's not hate. I mean, I don't any, hate anybody, but um, it's it's more uh, frustration and the role um, that Bayern played in creating this frustration. Yeah, I can understand that, even though I feel slightly different. Parimal A is asking, Hello, Rafa, what has changed for Bayern to perform badly in the XG metrics? Is their dream run coming to an end? Well, I, I love an XG question. And this is a reference to Bayern, I think, now having three out of four games with a worse XG, something that had only happened before in Hansi Flick's time until recently. So I guess it just shows that Bayern are not playing well, even though the results are still holding up by and large. They're struggling to create chances. They're struggling to contain oppositions. The high line is not really working because the, the energy isn't there to put the kind of pressure on the team that they want if they fall deep. They're not quite as comfortable absorbing that pressure. And of course, they have injuries as well. With uh, Joshua Kimmich, uh, trademark quote, the most irreplaceable man in German football uh, by Christoph Biermann not being there, that will have a negative impact. So I think the XG is not really telling us anything that we can't see with our own eyes. Bayern are just really short of their best. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Their dream run in the Champions League, as far as winning every single game for 15 now in a row, or is it 16? Oh, I lose track. Might come to an end against Atletico, and if, indeed, they might actually lose against Leipzig um, at the weekend. Although, Leipzig have their own issues, as we just talked about. Aviman S wants to know, what odds would you give to Alaba staying at Bayern? It should be noted he has not looked as great at his centre-back role in the past month. Well, I don't think his um, slight diminished form has anything to do with the 
uncertain contractual situation. It's something that he's taken in his stride so far. But of course, it, it might not help at some level when you don't know. And when your club has told you that um, they no longer want you to renew your contract, even though they've sort of left um, a, slimy, a slight way back into this by saying, oh, you never know that the door's not fully closed. I think that Alaba will leave. I don't see things changing unless he finds himself without any suitable offer, which is not impossible, but unlikely for someone who's out of contract uh, in the summer and can therefore be fairly cheap, even if you consider the high wages. So I think somebody will will take him. Um, but of course, he in the past has, has made it known to his advisors that he wants to go to Spain rather than England. And who knows, Real Madrid or Barcelona, or even Atletico Madrid, might not be in the market for him. And then he has to reconsider. Does he want to go to the Premier League? Does he want to play for Chelsea, who have made an approach in the past? Does he want to go maybe play for Liverpool if they're interested, although he wouldn't necessarily fit the age profile? Uh, and he might still decide that Bayern is actually his preferred destination, um, as far as you can talk about destination or a place that you are actually already have arrived at. But I'd be surprised if he if he still ends up at Bayern next season. Christoph, we have some really interesting questions here about uh, the national team and the 50 plus one rule. But one more about a club. Martin van Soccer, great name. Not sure it's his real one. Um, <laughs> says, uh, will Favre take the next step and contend for Europe in, in the next few years? I, I think they have a good chance um, uh, because uh, my impression is that Sven Mislintat, uh, whom we have been praising already several times here on this pod, um, has, uh, has put together a really interesting squad with a lot of young talents and, and they managed to extend some uh, contracts uh, 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 during the last week, uh, for, for example, with Nico Gonzalez, the Argentinian uh, striker, whom uh, Leeds United, for example, wanted to sign before the start of the season. And uh, so, so they are not the normal uh, team that comes up from the second division. And they, they're playing very interesting, uh, uh, nice to watch football. Uh, under Pellegrino Materazzo, who was also an excellent choice um, for becoming Stuttgart coach. So uh, I, I think there, there can be a lot of uh, optimism in, uh, around uh, VfB Stuttgart uh, for things to come uh, in the future, because um, it, it's, it's not just a, a good team, it's a, it's, a, it's a team, it's the youngest in the Bundesliga. And uh, yeah, and we can uh, expect more good things to come. Optimism in Swabia, that's not something. That I mean, I'm not a Swabian. I, I think if I would be a Swabian, I would uh, wrap it in a lot of pessimism. What <laughs> could go wrong? So <laughs> indeed. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Okay, now we have some some interesting German um, FA and German football questions, uh, touching about slightly wide on slightly wider subjects. Um, Patrick A is asking: So why is Germany's youth talent pool so much behind those of France, Spain, England, and even Belgium? All of a sudden, this is a really good question, and it's one that the German FA and the clubs are increasingly grappling with. I think one of the explanations that I've seen and has been put forward is that the German youth system, as it stands, is too much focused on collective football, on making sure that players are tactically very well versed and and play together in a team that can win stuff. That the coaches are very much focused on winning because if you win a lot at a young age as a youth coach then you have chances of getting promoted and you know become a Bundesliga coach as we've seen with the likes of Tuchel and so on and that there's a lack of individual attention and a lack of kind of real football being played that it's too much you know game situations and not enough many many touches smaller pitches the kind of street player football that breeds these amazing individuals that we're talking about. Christoph, do you think that this is this is the issue? And if yes, what, what can be done about it? Uh, it is the issue. Um, I mean, uh, when uh, the German FA um, started to, to turn things around um, uh, around 2000, where they, uh, where they developed this Nachwuchsleistungszentren, so these academies um, that every, t- every club uh, had to have that uh, plays professional football in Germany, um, there was a, uh, a tremendous uh, development. And one of the key problems um, in German football at that time was the absence of uh, tactical ability. And maybe that was one of the reasons uh, why um, the uh, education of players was focused on, on that aspect of football. But now, um, as you said, uh, there is a lot of tactical ability, but but the individuality is is lacking. Uh, so we, we, we don't have enough skillful player for the offensive uh, part of the game, but also, uh, for example, fantastic central defenders. It's, it's uh, somebody who is uh, um, able to solve the individually solve problems when facing a dangerous uh, opposing attacker. And, and it's known for a while, clubs and the FA is, is working on that. But um, as we know, a problem is it takes some time if, if you see results and uh, in the meantime I think there will be a, a, a major dip um, in years to come. We see it with the under 21 team where Stefan Kunz who is the uh, coach of it is um, is openly complaining about the quality of the players and, and we, when you look at, at some of the players they at the most have average uh, uh, qualities to play in the Bundesliga but you don't see uh, the future uh, national players in them. So we will have some problems in the years to come. And what about our current problems, uh, Christoph? Huh? 
the Mac Nuggets is asking, is Loaf still in charge of the national team only because of a lack of alternatives? Are the DFB mulling a change? If yes, who apart from Rangnick can be an option? Too many questions, I guess, but would really want to know. And I think we can combine that with super D crazy or freeze questions question of with the latest build report stating that the trio will be called in June by Löw if things fail further in March and not in March itself. What's your opinion about how the DFB committee will react to this? The trio here is a reference to Thomas Müller, Mats Hummels and Jérôme Boateng and the DFB committee. I think it's a presidential uh, board that are in charge of, well, either leaving Löw in position or getting rid of him or attaching all sorts of conditions there's big showdown talks happening this week Christoph let's talk about first about the return of Hummels and Boateng and Müller is this a bit of a red herring it feels to me that's an easy way to attack uh, Löw but perhaps not the right one because I think those, those problems actually go a lot deeper yes Thomas Müller would help you to play a pressing game that that isn't been played at the moment. I think he would give you organization, which is missing. He'd give you personality, which perhaps is a bit missing, and, and intelligence. But I don't see him changing all the issues that surround the team. And at the back, yes, Mats Hummels is still a very good player, but would he make the big difference? Would Jerome Boateng, would the injury issues, would they make difference? I'm, I'm less convinced. I feel that this is just something that people latch on to if they want to criticize Löw, but actually there are other more problematic issues of his tenure. So, so, so last week, Süddeutsche Zeitung made a very uh, a nice joke um, about the situation of the German national team because um, we, we, we have a, a saying in uh, something that's very said very often uh, when, when there are problems between a coach and the team is uh, is uh, that it's asked uh, is the team uh, the coach still connecting uh, to the team and uh, and they turned it around and uh, were asking is the team still connecting to the coach because Jogi Löw sometimes uh, makes the impression to be so remote so far away uh, from everybody not only literally hiding somewhere in the southwest corner of Germany and uh, close to Freiburg but but also in in general very often not visible at football matches uh, and so on and also uh, uh, remote in his appearance and I, I think there is a point to that in a way especially after this uh, terrible defeat uh, against Spain I had the impression that yeah, the the time is over uh, in a way. The uh, story has come to an end. Story have been told often enough, and now it needs some change. But I think uh, there won't be change uh, this week. I would, or at least I I would be uh, surprised. Um, and I think uh, we will see a change after the European Championship. Yeah, I think Sutoji even asked, can anyone still connect with Lou, <laughs> just the team, because of his aloofness? If they don't make a change now, if they consider him uh, to be still worthy of, of having of, of being given another chance to, to sort this out, do you think that they will have some kind of agreement whether that's official or secret that he will step down after the euros and if so who is next 
And if so, can they keep that secret or will it inevitably leak if they want to uh, indeed keep it secret? It seems to me a very difficult proposition, even if that is the condition uh, of him to continue right now. However they will solve it, I I think it would be difficult to to decide now that he he will leave after the European Championship. Maybe, Maybe it would, if they do, uh, it, maybe it would even make sense to uh, to 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 say it openly. I, I think, um, and, and nobody uh, would need to be afraid that you have a lame duck then as a national coach because everybody wants to play for Germany and it's it's a for limited time and um, uh, you, you only meet again in in March for the first time uh, then. So I think I said it here before. My my uh, number one candidate for replacing Löw is uh, is actually uh, uh, Stefan Kunz the under 21 t- uh, coach so because it in a way it fits the the logic of the German FA with where you, where you tend to have people that come from from your own system in in a way it's also true with Löw who was the assistant of of Klinsmann before and many others Berti Vogts being a youth uh, coach and so and so on and so on he also has a pedigree as a national team player and uh, won the European uh, Championship in England with Germany and and also he is a different kind of person he is more of a I would say a in a way a traditional football coach uh, that is about it he's also open to to many uh, new ideas and and so my impression is uh, that could fit well would be uh, an interesting choice uh, well Frangnick perhaps the most highly rated of the contenders but as you're alluding to uh, Christoph maybe a bit of a fear that uh, he would come in with his own ideas where Kunz is much more compliant and would be probably happy just to to coach yeah, the yeah, team. Well, but, yeah, with Rangnick, you always have have probably have the feeling that he he doesn't only come in to to coach the German national team, but run through all the offices and and moving chairs around and um, deciding on what's on the walls and and so on because he has this <laughs> holistic approach to everything and uh, maybe that's a bit uh, too holistic. Uh, uh, for the German FA. Well, tactically, I'd be much happier to see Rangnick in charge, I think, than, than Stefan Kunz, who's been always very good-natured, as Süddeutsche put it, but perhaps hasn't quite the... Uh, well, not perhaps, certainly doesn't have the same the same pedigree yeah, but, uh, as but, far but, as coaching teams. Yeah, concerned. but yeah, that's true. But but on the other hand, side, I, 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 I'm a big fan of, of pairing... Um, uh, of, of, of the pairings of... Uh, coaches teams so you can also have your super uh, tactic guru blah 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 in in the um in his coaching team i think that would and also would that work be? well there are enough of of, of these uh, young guys even within the uh, german fa finally we have a question that i think is often been asked of the bundesliga for those who find it difficult to understand why it is that we don't have more Bayern Munichs, why that there is um, such a resistance to to takeovers to outside investment, and it's coming from Baris K. He's asking, in Germany there's a hatred towards those who circumvent 50 plus 1. Are teams expected to just continue to be rubbish, 
even if there is an alternative available, and is 50 plus 1 seen to be holding German teams back in Europe? Or is it a case of, well, so be it, as long as 50 plus 1 isn't touched? Do you want to have a go at this, Christoph, first? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, this argument that uh, teams are rubbish until the big money man comes in and, and leads, leads them into the land of glory and milk and honey and whatever and trophies is slightly wrong uh, because we, we've seen, and, and Schalke is a fantastic example of that, um, that money alone is is not uh, what what the whole story is about because Schalke had a lot of money from the Champions League, for example, and they they blew it. and um, And I think there are loads of examples from England where uh, owners uh, spend a fortune and didn't get anything out. So I think you can de develop teams. Um, and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, for example, is a uh, is a fantastic example. Of what you can do over over many years and and where you can uh, get your club without any outside investors. So. I think uh, German football is is and will be uh, competitive in in the future also without it because very often I mean it's it's um, only a one off um, and that might help you um, uh, for for a short while um, but but I, I, I doesn't have necessarily the um, a, a lasting impact and it would change the footballing landscape completely. Um, because we uh, in Germany we have a, a a different history of what what football and football clubs are and what they mean to uh, to us and um, and I think that that system would be destroyed and uh, and maybe that wouldn't help and wouldn't be accepted not only by a few ultra radicals but also would um, uh, chase away a lot of ordinary football fans yeah I, I agree with that and i would uh, add to it that there there's a number of issues with um how this new football would would jar with uh, with germans uh, views yes of course everyone wants their club to be competitive but not at, at any price if you ask a mid-table mid team, if they want to trade the membership model and the control and the accountability and the transparency and the, the relationship that they have with the club for big trophies, for competitiveness, for superstar players, right now the answer would be no. That's a price that people wouldn't be prepared to pay. I think there's a principle behind this that people feel that this is their club and they don't want to sell it to someone who can then do whatever they want. And then it's a case of getting lucky with an owner that is rich enough and clever enough. And you have no way of, of addressing that issue, as you can see with, with clubs who have been saddled with, with bad owners who are stuck. In Germany, if there's a chairman that you don't like and you feel the club is going the wrong direction, you can vote him out. You can make changes. You can stand yourself and say, I'm going to take over the club, I'm going to lead the club forward. And while that might be an extreme and slightly romantic view of the democratic nature of, of club control, it is still, as a bottom line, as a fail-safe option, it is still always there. And I think for people that is very, very important, much more important than, than dreaming of, of trophies and of 
you know, being um, the subject of, of sugar daddy money. The other thing I think is that there's also a sense of realism. I think if minds were to believe that somebody from Russia or Saudi Arabia or America would come in and give them a billion euros, it wouldn't really last because if that were the case, then somebody with two billion euros is going to buy the more attractive, bigger club, Frankfurt, and someone with 10 billion euros is going to buy buy Munich. So if you open up all the clubs to, to invest the money, the, the, you'd have an arms race, but if eventually it would still be won by those who are most attractive. And I think it's extremely unlikely to see a Manchester City uh, or even a Chelsea emerging in, in Germany without then the bigger clubs hitting back by getting even more money in. Um, I think the the the, 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 the picture is slightly skewed because what we've seen with Chelsea, but Chelsea came up at a time when United were saddled with an owner who was not prepared to put any money in, a very unusual situation, and Liverpool themselves were about to go to into a financial crisis otherwise, I think we'd seen a, a much different reaction with more co- money coming into Liverpool and Man United and some of the more established clubs and actually lessening that Chelsea effect and also that Manchester City effect uh, years later. So these are my, my explanations, but I think it's important to understand that it's not a, a lack of ambition. There's not people saying, I'm happy that to be uh, rubbish, as you put it, Barry, so I'm happy now that never to win anything. It's just that the alternative is seen as something that is just not attractive enough to lose all the things that make it very special to be a football fan in Germany. And and if I if I may add something here, um, I, I think maybe in, 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 in years to come, we will see a development uh, as there is so much money, especially from the uh, from the US um, that wants to be invested into football, um, that uh, they're going for the Bundesliga to become minority owners. And I, I think that might be might work well uh, emotionally because uh, everybody is feeling that the club still has uh, the control over what's going on. And um, it, it could be a real smart investment. Uh, and with smart investment, I mean that um, these minority owners might also help clubs with uh, knowledge, uh, with, with international connection or what, whatever to, to help them develop. Because I think there are a lot of clubs that, um, where there is, is uh, um, space to develop too. And, um, and, and I, I think uh, this is going, going to happen in, in maybe even uh, in the next months that we discuss of my, minority owners at smaller clubs or mid-table clubs. And, and that could also give them a boost without changing uh, the uh, landscape of German football completely. Yeah, I think that's a possibility, although minority uh, shareholders tend, sometimes have a habit of wanting the power anyway, um, even though they're not technically the majority shareholders, but the money money talks. But we'll watch the space. We'll see how things go. Thank you very much, Christoph, for being my guest today again. And thank you very much, listeners, for all your questions and for paying attention to what we had to say. I hope you're back with us next week when we look back on Bayern and Leipzig and all sorts of other interesting stuff in the Bundesliga. See you then. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.